And I just became very obsessed with them because my life was so opposite the sloth. Um, not because I didn't still practice yoga and meditation and all these things, but three years ago, I, I signed the lease to start the studio and also a week later found out I was pregnant with my third child, which was a very unexpected blessing, but very unexpected. Um, and so life just got really insane. And I think it was, um, I can't, you know, I'm trying to recall exactly where it came from, but it really did just become this um, lifestyle I was desiring. Like, I just want everything to slow down. I just want time to slow down. I just need to breathe. One of my favorite people is in the house for uh, the podcast, and we were laughing because um, Tony doesn't actually listen to too many podcasts, which I think is going to be a breath of fresh air as we dive into the subject. Tony is a uh, yoga gypsy. That's what she kind of coins herself. Um, she was also an on-target living coach for us. I don't know how long ago that was, five, six, seven years ago, um, She's done Pure Bar. She's a personal trainer. She's a graduate of Michigan State twice. Mm -hmm. Born and raised in East Lansing. Currently lives in East Lansing. Um, Michigan State fan through and through. She's a mom. She's a um, wife. She's got three kids. And um, I wanted to bring Tony in as we kind of continue our message on mental health and stillness and stress. Because for me, I could say Tony is the best yoga instructor in the world. I don't think that would be fair because I haven't taken that much <laughs> yoga. But for me, she's my favorite yoga instructor. And, um, and I think she can really share an energy that uh, the listeners and you will uh, you like. So thank you for being here. Did I miss anything in your resume? Thank you for having me. Um, no, I think I was an on-target living coach a lifetime ago. <laughs> But I'll never forget it because it really was the foundation for my style of teaching. Um, the mechanics of the movements, um, the balance of, you know, lifestyle. You're, the, the goal of living on target is just very much aligned with... But you're being humble because you were practicing for many years before that. I was. I was practicing yoga. Well, I started, actually, I, start, I got my first yoga certification as I was personal training under your dad okay. years ago. Yeah, so... Um, I think that was 2008-ish. Okay. Um, so they really did start together. Um, and at that time, yoga for me was very... Just a physical practice. Um, so it just... It fit in with the lifestyle of personal training, but I it took me a while to really understand the depth of the yoga practice that's so much more than just the physical... Yeah, and we'll get into that because that's I think that's one of the missing links when people think of yoga. Mm -hmm. It's like it's just a physical. I can't do these stretches, so I can't do it. Well, it's much more than that. Mm -hmm. How about the pier bar? I know you did that briefly, and, and it was kind of a cool experience, different experience. Yeah, that um, I, I, I give so much gratitude to every step of my journey, um, and pier bar definitely made me a better teacher. Um, there is a lot of uh, they're very strict. They're corporate, um, and it's very strict in how you teach, what you teach, on every single beat of the music. So um, it yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, that, it's that they have an incredible system. Yeah. yeah, it's very choreographed. Um, and I do think that that changed myself as a teacher as well. I mean, there was a definite shift from the yoga teacher I was prior to teaching Pure Bar to who I am post Pure Bar. Um, so yeah, that was and what great. did you get your degrees in? My undergrad was in kinesiology, movement science, um, and my master's is in sport administration. So, so one of the things I wanted her to repeat that because I think Tony has a very unique journey to where she is now. I think uh, yoga instructors, there's many ways to get there, mm -hmm. but you do have a lot of the science and the background and the foundation for the, the science of movement. Mm -hmm. You know, going through your journey of two degrees, done all these, uh, you know, classes and certifications to get to where you're at today. Bring, bring the audience up to where you're at today in your journey of a teacher, uh, where you are in your practice, you even teach and have your teacher certification. So, hmm, 
it feels like such a long journey to where I am today. Um, the start of my yoga journey, like I said, was very physical um, and it felt good in my body, um, but I wasn't reaping any other benefits to it. I, I kind of stretched from there to start practicing within studios locally and started to just get a little glimpse of what more there was. Um, but I realized the styles that I was taking even in a studio um, were way too focused on alignment. And there is a place for that. So I'm not discarding that, but it was... Like I would, doing the right movements in mm -hmm. the right way and, oh my gosh, you can't do it like that. Right. Mm -hmm. This is wrong. You, you know, until you do it this way, it, it's incorrect, regardless of your body limitations, your injuries, all of those things. So, and my fitness background was, um, you know, personally for me, had way too strong a focus on the body, um, physically how it looks. You know, I think even as a personal trainer coming up, in my time, maybe it's still the same, and a group fitness instructor, there was so much focus on your own body and how it looks rather than how it feels. Mm. Um, and I just remember once I found myself in a yoga studio when I was still too focused on how my body looked, it wasn't quite the right fit for me. So I happened to have someone take me to my teacher's studio which was an hour away at the Detroit area and it was the first time I practiced yoga um, now mind you at in a gym when you practice yoga usually there's mirrors everywhere and you can't help but be focused and looking at yourself and there's all these different things and I remember this experience the first time with my teacher and it was everything was how does this feel so not just you know you're you're observing your breath how does that feel mm you're observing these spaces in your body. So you come into this position and they're not saying, oh, Tony, make sure your heel is down and oh, make sure you're making these so that you're all in your head and making these adjustments. It was like, come into this space. How does it feel? Are you in pain? Make a change. Don't listen to me. I'm making suggestions. Yeah, you, you need to start. The teacher's not in your body. Right. And it was my first time experiencing yoga in that way that it was so liberating what year was that approximately 2000 I think that was 2008 so I was with your dad to earlier than that um my first training with and my teachers his name is Johnny Kest in Detroit my first training with him was 2008 so I was probably seeing him prior to getting certified by him that was maybe like 2006 my first time so this was kind of like that explosion in your mind of what yoga could be yes that you were kind of doing you liked movement and you liked fitness mm -hmm. but you didn't know the the deeper parts of yoga yes. science yes um and it was amazing and so i started driving an hour and a half down the road two years as often as i could get there obviously pre-kids and pre some other things but it was i couldn't get there enough um and so i did my first training with him and that really changed is he path. still practicing? Is oh, he still yeah. teaching? He's called the teacher of teachers. Teacher so of teachers. I love it. He teaches mostly teachers who have already had their first level of certification. Um, so, so here's a question for you. Again, the audience is all different um, backgrounds. Some have done yoga, some haven't. But like, what is yoga to you now? Not then. Mm -hmm. um, what is it now? Like, is there a quick definition yeah. for you? Yeah. Um, yoga is connection. And in really connection to yourself, connection to self, um, connection of body and mind, connection to breath. It's it's connection of I like that. community. Mm -hmm. um, so the more you practice yoga, the more you see. Well, I just saw actually a quote yesterday that said, I am because we are. And that's a lot of we're all we, one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like the connection. Mm -hmm. So it connects us. Uh, so like the physical connects the mental and just the art of breathing. And mm -hmm. so what can it provide to somebody? So for you, you got into it physically. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people get into it physically. But would you say some people don't get into it because they have limitations physically? Mm -hmm. 
So what can it do for somebody or provides for someone from what you've seen from thousands of people and hundreds yeah. of teachers that you've been with? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. I think most people do come to it as a physical practice. That's how we are in the West. Like you kind of work out to work in and it's... We to can, do something. Yeah, you, you can access those inner issues by physically moving your body. That's just how we kind of tap in here. Um, you know, thousands of years ago, when yoga originated, there was no movement practice. It was yoga was a seated meditation. It was um, karma yoga, which is like yoga in action, doing things for for the betterment of the people around you. Um, it was bhakti yoga, which is yoga of self knowledge. Um, so it was yoga thousands of years ago was those things, and really the movement practice came much later ultimately because sitting for a long time and stillness <laughs> is very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So they established this movement practice to prepare you still to sit. Ultimately, that's what we want to mm. get to. Um, and so it's very normal to come to it first physically and then kind of access those other things. But I tell people, you know, when I'm in a in-studio whether I've had people, whether it's all regulars or brand new people, I remind them that if you are present here, if you can establish your breath and stay present, you're practicing advanced yoga. So if you, if we start in child's pose or laying on your back, if you stay here the whole time, but you're present and you're mm. breathing, this is the practice. This is ultimately what... Well, that's what we were talking... We were talking about people just not being able to sit still on a bench for three minutes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that would be a very advanced if you could be in child's pose connected with your breath for an hour session. Right. Even though you can't s do a handstand and a splits, you know, right. movement. Um, yeah, that's pretty powerful of... But wouldn't you also say that, again, people don't know what that feels like? Even in your case, in my mm -hmm. case as well like until you get there or until you've been shown or until you kind of break through some of those yeah bridges that you make in your head yeah I mean no matter how long you've been practicing it's a practice and it's hard um <laughs> and I'm not talking about the physical but you know if you even have a very experienced meditation practice there's never a moment that you're like I've arrived this is it it's every time it's different and you might even get to a moment within your practice that you're like wow, that actually just felt really good for a moment. But then the moment you started thinking that, it ended. <laughs> yeah, you regress and progress and regress. And so like probably for you, and we talk about this all the time, you probably feel like you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. Versus when you probably first got certified or got into it, you're like, I know all these. I can do this class. I'm a group fitness instructor in a sense of, but once you go deeper and deeper and deeper, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm a child learning something new so we were talking um before we recorded are you naturally good at being still like do you have this inherent skill of being i have calm? a natural desire mm. to be still um i don't have a life that <laughs> makes it very easy um have you ever do you ever remember? No, I probably create a life yeah. that doesn't allow that, which is why I desire it. But you desire um, stillness. I desire stillness. And so. And you it, know you need it. I know I need it. And it's not just stillness, it's quiet. Um, because a lot of people mm. can sit still for an hour or two and watch a movie or TV um, or can sit still and listen to music or, like you said, a podcast or they're there's ways people are still without really being quiet, quiet. within. Mm. There's so much noise and it's the quiet that I crave. Um, I three kids. Yeah, yeah. Quiet. sounds good. Yeah. It sounds amazing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, even in the car, uh, my kids are always, they have to turn music on in my car cause it's silence on my own. I, yeah. And you know, that's something that again, that's why I wanted Tony on the podcast. Cause I always, get re-inspired even though I know Tony isn't completely still or quiet in her mind or her life is not you know always perfectly aligned um, like maybe her persona um, speaks that but 
the desire for stillness, mm-hmm. the quietness that you create, those are things that I really think we all could do more. And, you know, to be on a podcast that, and you haven't really listened to too many podcasts, I think that's uh, a good thing because we really don't need that much more information. You know, it's good to be inspired and to learn, but like we're bombarded with we're bombarded. all this stuff. So, yeah, I think uh, you heard it from her. She doesn't na- naturally have this lifestyle, but you do desire it. And mm-hmm. probably one of your drivers to continue to teach and learn and, mm-hmm. and do it. You're not a just a teacher of yoga. You do practice it. Yes. How many days a week do you practice um, you your know, practice? It's, it's funny because I'm in, we're in the, we just started a new session of teacher training. Um, so this will be our third week. And they are required to practice every day. Um, and for a lot of people, th- those were the first questions like, well, what does that mean? And how I can't get here every day. And, and so it was reminding them, what does it mean to practice yoga? It doesn't mean spending an entire hour on your mat and doing a hot vinyasa class, something completely rigorous and do it. No, that's not yoga. Remember yoga is, well, we didn't talk about this, but they know it, it, there's eight limbs and practicing the movement postures is one of eight limbs. So if you don't have time in your day to practice physically the postures, you can practice yoga through any of the other seven limbs, which I won't even go through all of them, but meditation. Um, um, of course, now I'm having like a brain fart on all of the limbs, but it has nothing to do, very so, little Yeah, the to point is, is one of the limbs is movement, but we, again, back to our conversation earlier, yeah. most people think that's all we're doing. So. Right. I'll have a client or even a friend and say, hey, have you done yoga? I can't do those movements. Yeah. Okay. In your case, there's seven other limbs. Seven other limbs. And, and I, would, I would say maybe the most important limb is to learn that inner quietness that you've just been discussing that you desire yeah. that so many people are missing. Yeah. Like in your perspective, how many people are missing this inner quietness? And like, do you want to scream that they don't even know how much better it could make them feel and act and perform. I, I, you, I want it for them so bad. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like you said, if you're watching a class and, and I do ask them to come to a seated meditation, the amount of fidgeting and things that are happening. And so, yeah, there are definitely times where I want to, like, just st- stop. I'll even say for the next five breaths, your strongest determination not to move at all. Just five breaths. Like, because yeah, I was more taking, than that. I was taking a class with you once, and you're the first person that I heard say this. They, they probably had said it, but I didn't pick it up. But if you have an itch on your face, try not to itch it for a, a minute. Yeah. Right? Because it's that temptation. It's that fidgeting. It's that always moving. And for me, being you know ADHD, always moving as a kid and even at 36 years old, I, I do have to move. And so that practice mm-hmm. then allows me, maybe if I am in an uncomfortable situation or going through a stressful situation, now I've practiced the pause, the, pause, the on-demand focusing of that attention. And it is just your attention, right? right? So when you're teaching someone a seated meditation, it's bringing them to an, an attention of... right. Be less reactive. You, it's. I'm not saying you can't respond to that at some point, but if you can pause mm. at least one breath before you react, and that, and like you said, that carries off your mat and in your world. So if it's a habit, you're training your body yeah. and your mind, and yes. that's that's what you're doing there. Yeah. Eight limbs. The first limb uh, might be movement, but there's seven other limbs. Yeah. I know you were talking about, uh, you know, your your instructor, but who inspired you to get into this health and fitness? space like what you have a lot of you have a lot of pedigree that was very expensive and time intensive and 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 if you were telling someone hey follow this track probably not a track that most people can yeah I have always loved to move I mean I was never never spectacular never a spectacular athlete but I always played sports It, it I feel like there's no better way to um, understand your own body and to feel better and to, um, to, I don't know, even cultivate an understanding of relationships and teamwork and working together. So I, I always loved the idea of sports and moving your body. And I feel like yoga was like the, 
just the, the, the deeper dive. Like it just took it. It took the movement science to a whole new level for me. So as you know, we're moving into 2022, coming through a pandemic where everybody's fearful and anxious, and uh, could have used a lot more of this inner quietness of yoga. Um, your studio gets shut down, or you know, studios are shut down, and all those things. Other than like the business side of it, which we could have a whole podcast. <laughs> What what are you teaching yourself or learning yourself right now that's really got you um, excited or re-energized? Because I think everybody has these ebbs and flows. I think um, we talked a year ago and you were uh, really into chakras and all mm -hmm. that stuff. But I'm not saying that's it. But what is it right now that really has you kind of like excited to learn and explore? And uh, I would say... I would say kind of still the same teachings, but accessing different groups, or different people. So, um, and I'm not quite ready to talk about this yet, but I'll just kind of give you the tip of the iceberg. But um, really working through with MSU on the academic side to, to have some offerings um, that would potentially be considered part of the curriculum for kinesiology like that so, kind of so thing. using this vehicle mm -hmm. if i hear you right using this vehicle to explore something different than maybe everyone assumes it mm -hmm. explores mm -hmm. Hmm. so maybe some things outside of necessarily practicing in a studio how can you learn yoga outside of a studio the room? science of yoga mm -hmm. the practice of yoga right and so uh, you've heard me talk about, and we talk about a lot the last couple of podcasts as we talk about the mind. One of my mentors, Dr. Phil, who, you know, has studied yoga for 50 years, mm -hmm. and it's less it's less about movement. Actually, it's probably 0% movement in his mind. Um, and so you're really pursuing that as you've practiced it, learned it, mm -hmm. discovered it. So, um Let's talk about it. What, what I mean, what can yoga do for the mind? Like, what what is it that you've seen or for yourself that you really want to take maybe to this te next level of teaching? Yeah, I think you were starting to just really hit on it when you were talking about being less reactive. Um, we, like you said, post COVID, people really were exposed. I don't know that they changed. Um, maybe that's who they always were, but. Um, and they couldn't hide anymore. They couldn't hide anymore. Yeah. And it, and you, people became very reactive to others. Um, and I think yoga is the best practice for teaching to be less reactive. Like you said, if you feel when you're in seated meditation and your foot falls asleep or you're in meditation and you're sweat stripping and it's itchy or your whatever adjustments you need to make, if you can pause. All those things for me, yep. Keep all those things. <laughs> um, and the longer you can pause the and, and reconnect to your breath, because ultimately that's what we're doing. Usually when you get distracted, you're no longer focused on your breath. If you can draw your attention back to your breath, ultimately those sensations will go away. You won't eat, all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's gone. I, I don't know where it went, but that I don't even feel that anymore. So then something else will come up and that's normal. And it's just this process of come back to your breath that will likely fade. If it doesn't and you get to a point where ultimately now I do need to make an adjustment. I can't sit here anymore. I need to change my position. Then at least you took the time to evaluate that I truly do need to make a change. Um, but I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest gifts of yoga is being able to pause. So when someone says meditation, you do like to use the yoga to kind of introduce the meditation. Is mm -hmm. that accurate? Like you're not just having them sit Indian style just to meditate. You are taking them through some flow mm -hmm. of a sense, most part. Is that yeah. true? Yeah. I think um, the physical one prepares your body to sit more comfortably. Um, it's a good point is easier preparing yourself to sit versus just telling someone to sit and meditate, right? Your hips feel more open, not to say that you can't meditate lying on your back, seated in a chair, sure. however else you want to do it. But the more, uh, developed you become in the practice, the more you want to challenge yourself to be seated and not have those supports unless that's what's needed. 
Um, and that is part of the challenge because you are meant to get uncomfortable and, and yoga makes you very uncomfortable. That's a big, that's a big point. Cause I don't think we like being uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a huge, I think, I think we're soft. Mm-hmm. I think our society is soft, not in the sense of like physically soft in, yeah. the, in the aspect of we want everything easy. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we have to challenge ourselves, and I think the mind is worth it to challenge ourselves yeah. because it's so vast, mm-hmm. and we don't know. We really know very little about the mind other than we have one, right? right? And right. we, you know, we want the bad thoughts to go away, and we want the good thoughts to come. But it does take a practice, especially mm-hmm. with the amount of distraction. And talk about in your, for you, how do you limit the distractions in this world where you're trying to teach? inner quietness you know you have all these things three kids sports yeah. uh you know you're successful your husband's successful running here and there mm-hmm. like what do you what are some practices you do outside of the yoga to you don't listen to a lot of stuff in the car no but what I, else i surround myself in silence i sleep a lot um sleep is huge huge i will obviously you know this um but a lot of the pra- of my practice of yoga is also to prepare my body and mind to rest, to not just um, not just for meditation, but for actually sleeping at night. Um, I have, getting everything out so that you're ready to rest. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's and powerful. I don't necessarily eliminate distraction. I because um, I just I I continue I do life through the distraction. Um, and I just become less distracted by it. <laughs> well, I, I think that's, I think you said something that's subtle for you. It seems probably like second nature, but you're preparing yourself to rest because mm-hmm. you know that you're going to have stress and activity mm-hmm. and busyness and life. But if you can prepare yourself to when it's time, mm-hmm. then now you're not. So I think that is the challenge. And, and I shared a stat that we soon will, uh, spend more time on our phone screens than our sleep time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so oh do you get rid of your screens or do you really prepare yourself for better sleep yeah. or better rest or that inner quietness? Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're trying to do that more than focusing on what to eliminate. Yeah, I, I mean, there are, I, I kind of, I, again, I, I think this is kind of a practice for, for teacher training, but we have precepts. Um, you know, the, and they're broad, um, and I won't get into the details of them, but one is to do no harm. Um, one is to not steal, basically, and, and that's not in the, not like theft from the grocery store or something, but in terms of um, stealing people's time. Um, you know, you steal from people when you don't actively listen to them. Mm. Um, so just there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot to that. Um, and another precept is, um, refraining from excess. And so instead of taking these five precepts for people that this is a new practice, it's following all the precepts is incredibly challenging. And I dare say that probably nobody actually can do it every day all the time. Um, but you're aware of it. You're aware of it. And the idea is for them to look at it and decide, which of these precepts can I commit to at least for the next, for this amount of training? So you might not be able to, well, some people might say, I'm going to practice to do no harm by changing my diet. And maybe some people go fully vegan. Um, Maybe some people decide um, they're going to eliminate dating apps and social media from their phones or for the excess. Yeah. For the excess. So, or, you know, some, one, one of the precepts talks a lot about, gossip and how you talk about other people, but also what you allow yourself to hear from the people you surround yourself with. So long story short, I think there is a constant process of eliminating distraction. You can't eliminate them all, but it's this being a yogi is becoming very aware all the time. Self-aware of what you're doing. Yeah. Which is the most important and hardest. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and as you were saying some of those things, it reminded me of a um, course I took called Dale Carnegie. Are you familiar with Dale I Carnegie? I know the name. But yeah. he is, he's got three key, well, he's got many 
principles, but he's got three things. Don't criticize, condemn, complain. Mm. If you try to do that every single day, you're going to catch yourself and say, wow, I'm not really doing that. But it's that self-awareness. You're not going to not ever do it. But when you think about it a little more often and, you know, just try not to complain for a day or in your case, your five um, steps, these are, these are things that I think are part of the practice of yoga. Part of the practice of being healthier in general is how do you practice mm-hmm. things that you're not normally accustomed to doing? And um, there's this, it leads into this thing that I already wrote down, but um, there's a philosophy I heard that uh, the things that we avoid are probably the things that we should do. Mm-hmm. So when I think of yoga, and we've laughed about this a lot, I probably need more yoga than I give myself time for yoga because yeah. I'm not great at yoga. Mm-hmm. But what do I probably need the most of is, is yoga. Yeah. The, not only the physical part of yoga, tight hamstrings and hips and all these <laughs> things that you see me struggle, but the mental part. And so I think that's one of the things that it, it sounds like you have seen your personally, but also have taught is it allows us to get a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that pursuit of being better uh, through this vehicle of yoga really can be transformational. Mm-hmm. And, and we're struggling so mightily with our mind. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's a better routine than some of the elements of yoga to kind of create that mind. And yeah. you've talked about breathing 20 times so far in this podcast. Yeah. And so is there anything that teaches proper breathing better than a yoga practice? I don't think so. I mean, I know a lot of people talk about the science of breath, um, but I don't know where the practice comes in outside of yoga. Um, I think I actually mentioned to you months ago, the book breathe Mm -hmm. or breath. No, the book is called breath. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I find it fascinating that people read that book. Yeah. Because they're breathing so incorrectly, and I'm not sure anyone took any action, but they were fascinated by it, weren't they? Oh, fascinated. I mean, have you ever um, taped your mouth closed? Mm -hmm. No? What are your thoughts on that? I probably, I would say my thoughts are, I think it's something to give you Mm self-awareness, but I'd rather you try to do it without tape. tape. Yeah, I think think there's some good and bad. But it's crazy, it's sold out. Yeah. You know, the mouth tape sold out, still yeah. is, different things. So, But it's a phenomenon to me that I think a lot of people look at the mouth tape, well, if I just do that, it's solving the problem, right? Yeah. yeah. Versus actually learning and being with yourself. And, you know, you've talked about the depths of mm-hmm. the practice. So Yeah. I mean, the, the, the breathing, yoga is a breath practice, period. That's, that's it. It's, it is a practice of observing your breath. And, um, and your breath should be through your nose. Mouth is closed. Um, I actually just said this in my class this morning. So generally my classes tend to be, depending on the style, but the, today was a hot vinyasa class. It tends to be challenging. It's meant to challenge you. And um, as people get into the movement, Your studio's how hot? Tell the audience. It's artists. about... 90 it's 99 yeah you're sweat you're sweating from <laughs> you start sweat. right from the start um and that heat is meant to challenge you mm-hmm. like you said the we're pu- pushing you to be as uncomfortable as possible so that when you actually are really uncomfortable you're now ready for it exactly um and so we're moving we're doing we're queuing through all of these things and as they get working they're so focused on doing the postures and keeping up that they're panting and breathing through their mouth. And so this constant reminder, if you can't breathe through your nose, it's too much. Mm. Take rest. Mm. You should be in child's pose or seated meditation. When you can come back to your nose breathing, then join us. Um, And I don't mean to be like, you know. No, I think we need some of that, right? Yeah. We're not all doing great jobs. I mean, (laughs) part of it is the effort and the intention. And if that's the case, great. Got to get credit for it. But Sometimes we do have to be told, you know, okay, let's even get it perfected more. Yeah. You know, I, I was, I just came back from an event and this, I, I was teaching an exercise session and lady came up to me and said, my shoulder really bothers me to do a push up." And I said, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm doing CrossFit and I've had a couple issues and 
I said, well, what are you trying to do? She's trying to do a full push-up. Just like you said, if you're breathing and huffing, and then it's too much for you. You can't do the movement. If your shoulder's bothering you doing a push-up, it's too much for you. We got to do a different movement. You're capable of doing it by saying I can do five or 10 or whatever the number is. I can get in that pose in yoga, but if you can't do it the right way. And it hurts. And it hurts, or you're breathing too hard. So she was really relieved that I said, no, you got to, you got to start at the basics here. Mm -hmm. You know, start at the same thing with, you might be able to have the flexibility in the yoga movement, Mm -hmm. but if you can't connect with your breath. Right. Because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, and I think that's, people mix that up all the time. I can do that. I can do that. Well, I'm, I can see that you can do that. That's but. what I love about yoga. I can't do any of it. So it's <laughs> like, just give me the, give me what I can do and I'll work as hard as I, I possibly can. Right. So I think you kind of have answered it, but why can't we sit still? Why can't we be quiet? Like, why is this such a problem? May not have the answer. I'm just curious what you... I think um, we don't know ourselves. Um, We're busy and we don't take the time to get to know ourselves. We don't listen to our own body and mind's red flags in any situation. So, you know, again, it's easy to talk about the physical. We get red flags because we feel pain or, you know, we have these different things that we push through. But even in our daily lives, how many social settings or things, situations you get yourself into where you realize like something's not right for you. There's a red flag. I'm uncomfortable here, but we, we just sit and make and, and do whatever is asked of us because we don't want to dis- be socially or uncomfortable. Or we distract ourselves. Or we distract ourselves. We just don't listen to our, to our own red flags. And I think the more you sit, the more you get to know yourself. And... Um, and we tend to run from ourselves, like wherever you go, there you are. And so if you don't get to know yourself, if you can't be content and happy alone, then I don't, I I dare say that none of your relationships are going to be fulfilling. Um, You can't have other people fill the void that, that is you. And that's, that's hard for people to hear, right? Mm-hmm. And then maybe coming at it from just being a yoga instructor, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know the depth of your training or the challenges and, and all the th- stuff that you got to hear. Mm-hmm. And so you're probably screaming inside when you see people struggling with X, Y, and Z. I mean, what do you see in a, other than the physical and, and I want to be an instructor, but like, what do you see in the most when people come in your door that you didn't, no, until you started to ask, have you seen anxiousness? Are you seeing? Um, I'm seeing. Like you're, you're really connected with MSU, mm-hmm. the athletes, men, women. Mm-hmm. What are, what it's, what's going on? They in, uh, in the I, trenches. You know, I, I think the athletes are trained to not speak or ask questions. Um, they do what they're told. And um, when they come to class with me, that's one of the first things I tell them. You are in situations all day long where your coaches, your strength coaches, your whoever is telling you what to do, your athletic trainers, um, teachers, everyone, counselors, is telling you what to do. Um, And I actually remember this just as a side note. when, when, When my husband played through professional, he, when he was finished, it was like, what do I do? Yeah. Who's going to tell me what to do? Um, and that is the lesson of yoga. So I tell them when they come in, I'm, I'm going to make a number of suggestions. Nothing is required. So it's this, this maybe first lesson in you're your own teacher. What feels good? What doesn't listen to yourself? Hmm. Um, because we all go through life and we're like, what should I do? Um, in, in, in all things, as kids, as we grow up, we're constantly asking for other people to answer our life's questions. And we want the blueprint, <laughs> right? But really what we should get is just a little bit of a nudge mm-hmm. and figure it out in our own path. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think that is a really great part about yoga is mm-hmm. everybody's body's different. Everybody's problems are different. Yeah. 
And so if you can get into this community, this space, you know, this um, connection, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's connecting with yourself, um, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, from a meditation standpoint, and as you've, I would say, evolved from just a physical yoga teacher to, you know, getting into more of the depth of meditation, how hard is meditation for the average person? Crazy hard. Even though there's so many apps and everybody, you know, is jumping on the (laughs) meditation bandwagon, how hard is it? It's incredibly challenging. For Um, you, it's hard too. Yes. I will say it is. I like I said. I ve- I very much seek it. Um, so I don't know how you gauge success in meditation. Um, you know what I mean? I think a man, lot we of, can't measure it. No, we can't just say <laughs> you don't get a grade. Well okay. done, Matt. You get an A in your meditation practice today. Um, we don't like that, do we? When no, we, can't we want to know. Like, how am I doing? How does this look? How how am I doing? Um, you're where you're at. Where you are, you are. Um, acceptance. So. The practice is just coming back, doing it, just keep coming back. Um, it's going to look different every single time, and I think that's the challenge. There's no, like, um, there's just no gauge for it. No matter how practiced you are, your life and what's happening in your life plays a role in how well you can sit on any given day. Whatever's, whatever's happening plays a role. So it doesn't matter how experienced you are, it changes every day. So I heard you say something that I think is pretty profound is don't stop. You may not do it every day. You may have ebb and flows where you have more time, less time, Mm -hmm. but you're never going to stop right? because it's not a solving and then it's over. Right. You don't, you don't. It's a practice. There's no finish line. Right. And, um, And I think it's important, like in a lot of things, to find what works for you. So some people really love a um, guided meditation. So you might use Insight Timer or whatever YouTube channel that Mm -hmm. someone's guiding you through it. I personally prefer silence. I don't need, I don't want that. Um, Because as soon as I, I... feel like I'm settling in, then they usually pipe back in and say something in mm. that. Because really, they're not in your body. Right. It distracts me. So I think when you're new, it helps people get through mm. the time, depending on how long they plan to sit. But um, I definitely prefer just mindfulness. Do you, ha- do you like mantras or are you just purely trying to be focused inward? Focused inward. In, and just trusting that you're meant you have to visualization be. or is it just mostly the stillness and the quietness just the stillness and the quiet which um, i would say is the hardest mm-hmm. probably i guess it depends like you know personality yeah what's I mean, going on my lifestyle is it, it's not the most challenging for me because i just i love i love you desire it, it feels de- like a blanket yeah um, <laughs> um but, but yeah. th- that's what you and you're a you're a master teacher. You've been doing this. I don't know. You guys yeah. have all these terminology, but y- yeah. you've been doing it so long that it's, but you're not pr- stopping. No. You haven't just done and say, I'm enlight- enlightened and right. like, I'm done. No way. So as we kind of wrap up here, we were talking about the sloth. Mm-hmm. And in our last podcast, we talked about the donkey being sure-footed mm-hmm. and reliant. And then the sloth moves so slow and it's part of the survival of a sloth. You're fascinated with sloths. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your inner uh, spirit, anim- animal. spirit animal is <laughs> yeah. a sloth, or yes. the, at least that's what I gauge. So tell me about the sloth and why it connects to you so much. Yeah, I. Um, it started about three years ago when the studio opened, um, and I just became very obsessed with them because my life was so opposite the sloth. Um, not because I didn't still practice yoga and meditation and all these things, but Three years ago, I, I signed the lease to start the studio and also a week later found out I was pregnant with my third child, which was very unexpected. Blessing, but very unexpected. Um, and so life just got really insane. And I think it was, um, I can't, you know, I'm trying to recall exactly where it came from, but it really did just become this um, lifestyle I was desiring. Like, I just want everything to slow down. I just want time to slow down. I just need to breathe. Um, and I just felt so, um, overwhelmed, overwhelmed completely. Even though 
this is what you teach and practice every day. Yeah. I was definitely um, suffering. So did you believe it wasn't possible, but you wanted it? Is that where you were from a mindset? I don't think my mindset ever thinks impossibility. Okay, that's good. Um, I think it was um, say it enough that you'll manifest it. Yeah. Um, and it really did become one of those things where, I mean, everything around the studio was like sloth. sloth. Yeah. Um, stuffed animals, Christmas ornaments. Like it was, it just became this like kind of a joke, um, that just took off. So Tony's the sloth. So tell yeah. me as you got through it, mm-hmm. it is possible, isn't it? To mm-hmm. create this even enduring. Yeah. Unexpected, crazy on top of that COVID yeah. came in a, in a studio, a yeah. private studio that, you know, crazy can't times. handle something like that. Yeah, absolute crazy times. Um, and I think what it reminds me or what it can remind anyone is that everything is temporary. So you feel overwhelmed. You are not overwhelmed. These are feelings. Um, you feel scared, you feel angry, you can have all of these feelings and not become them and trust that everything, good and bad, I mean, that's kind of like the swing of the pendulum. It's like, there's always high highs, there's always low lows. Ultimately, the practice hopes to like stop the pendulum and, and have it settle in the middle. But most people seek high highs. So if you seek that, it's gonna swing the other way at some point, there's everything's gonna, there's, everything changes. And so, yeah. And so the sloth to you as a, your spirit animal, what, what can the listeners learn from the sloth? Like you were fascinated with it. You studied yeah. it. We talked about that they survive because they move so slow. But what can, what can we learn from a sloth? Yeah, that, 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 that is survival. Like slowing down mentally, physically. I mean, even when you're the, you know, what you would consider extremely healthy because you work out all the time and you do all these things you probably could improve your health if you actually tapered that back a little and slow down and sleep more. And, um, I think, I think just learning to slow down. And you have, I mean, on top of you and, and DT's busy lifestyle and and DT being a professional athlete and coaching and all those things, you've worked with a lot of executive Mm -hmm. women Mm -hmm. and, uh, they don't like to slow down. And that's probably why they really gravitate towards you of helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the reason I wanted you on is, is there's an energy that inspires, not saying that you have all the answers, which you never will mm-hmm. say that you have, but I think we need more people thinking about the sloth mm-hmm. versus thinking about the redlining and going harder. Yeah. You know, there's, we're all in a hurry. None of us have any time. But at the end of the day, you just said it. We're really not overwhelmed. Mm-mm. We're feeling overwhelmed. And so how do you start to control those feelings and right. focus the mind? Yeah. And, and make change after pausing. Because even when we think we're making a change for the better, if you're reactive and making these quick you know, spontaneous changes, oh, this is, I need to start doing this now instead. Mm-hmm. Like, well, give us some time, give it some time in all things. So as we final, and I got a one parting kind of statement, anything you want to share from your practice, what you think people really can pursue? Maybe, maybe someone's thinking about yoga, where should they begin? But any thoughts on some advice to the listeners of, you know, what they should look for and why yoga is a a part of a balanced health and wellness plan? Yeah, I would say um, that there are a number of choices for yoga out there. There, Whether it's locally, there's a number of studios, there's a great number of teachers. Um, Online, there's a number of places to access yoga. And I would just say, just like in all things, if you find yourself in a class and you didn't have a good experience, trust that that is not, that does not encompass yoga. I think that's what happens is people say, I tried yoga, it wasn't for me. 
that style, there are a number of styles, that style may not have been for you. Um, so seek another style. Um, find a teacher that is right for you um, because the practice is worth it's it. vast. Yeah. And would you say, so for me, just I'll use me as a guinea pig, there's styles I don't like because they're hard, mm -hmm. and then there's styles I don't like because the experience isn't what I want. I would say what I heard you say is focus a little bit more on the style of experience because mm -hmm. that's going to be more kind of in your DNA. Mm -hmm. But just because it's hard, don't turn away either, right? You want it to be somewhat challenging. Right. But not always go hard to the wall where you're exhausted. So there's a, there's a balance. And I think once you go inward, mm -hmm. Just beyond the physical part, there's an endless amount of benefits and possibilities. Absolutely. Endless. And that's, and that's why I wanted to bring Tony on. Her energy is great. So I think um, as I kind of wrap up, I think we all need teachers. Mm -hmm. I think we all need coaches or we need people to push us and inspire us. So I brought Tony in because she inspires me as somebody that we have different kind of philosophies in some areas, but yet the foundation is pretty similar. Mm -hmm. And I think what really connects me with Tony is her energy. It's always very positive, like giving, mm -hmm. probably not always positive inward, but the <laughs> give of the, the positivity. So I think that connection, um, obviously, I think we all could use some inner quietness. And, um, you know, one of the takeaways that I just heard Tony say is, there's so many different ways to do any practice, whether it's meditation or yoga, and you have to just do it. You have to do it within yourself and then repeat it. Yeah. And I think in a society where we wanna do it once or twice and say, okay, did it work? Right. Um, I don't think our mind is that simple and thank goodness it isn't. And so if we can go on this journey of trying to find that inner peace and inner connection I think yoga is a big piece so thank you for sharing your energy with the listeners um, I'm sure we'll have her back now that she's an experienced podcast er <laughs> we'll have her listen to a couple more but uh, thanks for joining us we'll see you again next time if you have any questions any thoughts you want to connect with Tony um, shoot us an email at info at and we'll see you again next time thank you.